everybody, this is Jeffrey Wright of MPW Digital on behalf of Chase Parm and Neil McCready. We'd like to take a quick moment before we get rolling here on the show today to remind you to please subscribe via iTunes on the iOS podcast app. Just search Oxford Exxon Podcast or search MPW Digital. Click our shows and please subscribe. Also like to remind you, we have an Amazon banner link on our website, rebelgrove.com. It's also on our Podbean host pages, which is rebelgrove.podbean.com, rgafterhours.podbean.com, castirontable.podbean.com. You can check the click through right there. And we ask that if you're going to buy anything on Amazon, please bookmark that click through because we will receive a little referral fee for whatever you buy. Again, doesn't cost you anything. It's simply just a referral fee for us that Amazon gives us a little kickback to wet our beaks so that we can help continue to grow this network and grow these shows. We appreciate it. We love you. Thank you for sharing with friends. Thank you with sharing the show. Please, please continue to do so. We always welcome new audience members. And now, without further ado, let's get rolling. From MPW Digital Network comes Cast Iron Table, the network's latest podcast for foodies. Look at the char we're getting. That that is what we're going for. Oh, isn't that hot, guys? Yeah, let's go with peppercorns. Thank you, because without peppercorns, it's not steak up love. <sighs> it can't be. Archer! By, like, definition. Today's show focuses on taste and drinks from the South, as well as some of your questions. I am not chugging beer. I'm sampling a flight of gluten-free German lagers with a French wine pairing. It's called a smorgasbein, and it's elegantly cultural. All right, Randy, you should probably lay off the old vine Chateauneuf de Pub. MPW Digital invites you to come sit down at Cast Iron Table with the Country Club of Oxford's executive chef, Jonathan Oliver, and the host of the program, Chase Parra. How intelligent do you have to be to take a food order? Ma'am, you're absolutely right, and uh, I apologize. I'm going to get this fixed for you right away. Welcome to this week's edition of Cast Iron Table. I'm Chase Parm, a writer with RebelGrove.com, an affiliate of Rivals.com, covering Ole Miss. But we talk food on this podcast along with me, as always, Jonathan Oliver. He is the executive chef of the Country Club of Oxford. Today we're talking barbecue, whether it be brisket, pulled pork, uh, all those type of things, Boston butts. Today on the show, we're talking with Kevin Keurig. He is from Max Speed Shop in the Carolinas. That's in Fayetteville, Greensboro, Lake Norman, South End, Steel Creek in North Carolina, as well as Greenville in South Carolina. He's an accomplished barbecue specialist that has done well at Memphis and May. That's coming up pretty soon as well. We'll talk a little bit about that, as well as the difference in sauces, rubs, how to kind of keep the moisture and the humidity right in your smoker, all those stuff coming up on the show today. As always, it is a broadcast by MPW Digital. You can go to iTunes or your iOS app and search MPW Digital for all the different shows, including After Hours, the Oxford Exxon Podcast, our flagship program, and Cast Iron Table. Also, if you've not done so, please check out Amazon through our links. You can go to rebelgrove.com, and on the right-hand rail, you'll see an Amazon link. Take that link, bookmark it on your desktop or even on your mobile device. You can add it to your home screen. Use that for all your Amazon purchases. It costs you nothing. You get all the same things with Prime, Pantry, Marketplace, and you can help us out along the way, so we'd really, really appreciate that. As always, you can also send food questions 
to rebelgrove at gmail.com each week as we talk about a different item. We talk to different shelves. We do a lot of different things. So today on the program is barbecue. We thank Kevin Keurig for his time, and then we'll go to that conversation. It's Kevin Keurig from Max Speed Shop in the Carolinas. Well, um, my background is I've got a culinary degree from New England Culinary Institute in Vermont. Um, been cooking for about 30 years now, but for the past seven, I've been with Max Speed Shop. We're a full-service barbecue restaurant that specializes in barbecue and craft beers, and um, it's been the best job I've had so far. Love every minute of it. Get to eat barbecue almost every day, and uh, you know it, it's a, it's a really good time. What, what what made you kind of go into the barbecue business? We it just happened by chance, really, and I think sometimes that's. A- all the good things in life happened just just in chance. I was working at a country club and was kind of fed up with like the whole uh, political aspect of all that kind of stuff too. And I had a friend who had just started working for Max, and he asked me if I wanted a job, and I decided to make switch. And um, it just happened that they were looking for a KM, and I, I took the position and then started cooking barbecue, and I fell in love with it. It was uh, it's so simple. But yet it can be so complex at the same time, too, and, and talk about something that can be real gratifying as well. I mean, there's a real skill and art form to it as well. You know, kind of sticking there for a second. I mean, everybody goes, oh, you know, low and slow and barbecues this and all that. What, what, what are kind of a couple of the main things that you feel like does make it a little more complex, a little more sophisticated? Well, I, you know, I think anybody can cook barbecue, but not everybody can cook good barbecue, in my opinion. It's like one of those things where... I view it as being kind of a chemistry where it is low and slow, but, you know, the way that the meat interacts with the temperature and the smoke uh, is unique every time. And there's a lot of stuff that goes in with it, too, like humidity and and, um, type of wood you're using and everything else as well. So there's a real skill set involved with getting it to a certain point because everything with barbecue is really temperature. So looking at breakdown the collagen and the meat. You know how the smoke you know where you're trying to get most of your smoke flavor before the meat reaches 145 degrees and the actual quality of the, of the meat that you're using too you just can't use like i would never try smoking like a wild boar or anything like that, I think that what's hard. your uh, what's your favorite <laughs> wood about, what's, what's your, that what's your favorite uh wood that you use well, it's a combination of hickory and peach you know, we're fortunate that um, the home, my hometown, or the, the town I currently live in, is sort of peach orchards. And um, so we do a mixture of that. And peach gives it like a real smoldering sweet flavor. And then the hickory has has a real good base flavor. And uh, it's almost kind of neutral. So it'll take on sweetness and everything too. And the way, the way those two smokes react with the spices that we use in our rub, uh, it really enhances the smoky flavor of that too. For, for people out there listening, what, what's kind of the good, you know, all-purpose wood to use? I mean, if you're just kind of starting out and you're trying to figure out where to, what to go with, what, what what are you recommending? Well, it really it really depends on what st- – like, if you're going to stick with pork, I think that, you know, you can do well with, like, a combination of cherry and hickory or hickory and peach. Um, but I always, I always try to use hickory in some shape or form. And then oak – is fantastic if you're going to be doing like some beef products so there's not really like one i think if you're going to go for a go-to wood it would be hickory but um you know each each type of wood has its own nuance and everything that really lends itself to different 
different types of cooking and everything too, you know. So, but yeah, I think the go-to would be hickory. When you're done and it comes out, what what are you looking for to see? I mean, is is it just a matter of tenderness and taste? Like, what, what what kind of determines how good of a job that one was, or whether that's you know just absolute pristine barbecue, pretty good, or what? How, how are you kind of grading it once it uh once it well, comes I, out? You know, I think it's you know that that. Go ahead. No, go ahead. You're good. Well, I it's, it's going to be there's two things I'm looking for. You know, it's the outer crust, like what kind of bark I can actually get on the meat. And that's where, like, where where I set the smoke, you know, before 145, and then the finishing is just is just that, you know, it'll take on and cook and everything too. So it's got to have like a nice dark color, you know, and rich flavor. And then when I actually break into the meat, like, if I'm doing like a shoulder or something, my my target temperature is right about between 198 and 201, and then that's where the collagen and you know connective tissue that's in the meat starts to break down but it's being all together so you can actually look at like a muscle structure and still see it but it's still retaining all of its juice and everything too once you once you get past like 208 210 somewhere in that area it starts kicking out its juices and then you have a real chance of it getting like almost i call it chalky because the meat kind of sticks to your teeth when you're chewing it it's still tender but it doesn't have like that like that, uh, uh, what's that? like, like a great texture with it that you know when you bite into it, like you know that you know it's still holding. It's like a well-rested steak. You, you know, you, mm-hmm. it's holding all its initial flavors and everything too. I want to get into kind of specifics of sauces and and, and, and rubs and, and different things in a minute, but just for the guy that you know, you're starting out your morning and you've got the the, the smoker going or whatnot. You're just doing pork. Kind of take me through the process of picking that meat all the way to the finished product kind of not giving away state secrets but kind of what is the process for you to how someone should go about it from start to finish well to begin with i mean i get in and you know i'm looking actual you know structure of it does it look good you know and is it is it meaty does it have like not lots of big muscle structure um and the first step of the process is just taking a rub, and we use a combination of about 10 different spices, but it's primarily paprika and garlic powder. And, you know, getting it on and leaving it on on the meat itself <clears throat> for about, you know, six hours to eight hours or so, you know, and it always benefits from being longer. And then I kind of, I like to leave it out, um, especially when I'm doing it for myself. I'll leave it out for a couple, just so it has a chance to to you know warm up a bit as it were and then i go to the smoker and usually i build like a real smoldering fire in the beginning and i'll set like a good coal bed you know so i'm hovering somewhere like around 210 225 in that area and i'll choke down the vent so uh the wood and the charcoal and the coals and everything actually smolder and i get a good smoke flavor and i'll hit it with either like a a mop or just hit some uh like do like a spray with either like a combination of apple juice and water or white grape juice and water because the um <clears throat> the smoke needs uh like a uh what's a what's the term i'm looking for it it needs the water it needs moisture to actually penetrate with smoke flavor if the skin actually or like the outer coating actually dries up it'll stop taking smoke flavor. So the eyes always have a moist environment if it's a water pan. And usually I'll, I'll just help it along with a spray or two. 
And then after that, like once, like I'll temp it after about four to five hours in and see where I'm at with temperature. If I'm above 140, then I'll just kick it up to about, you know, about 250 and cruise it the rest of the through and just keep making sure that I've got that cold bed set, you know, and I've got a good smolder on it. And, you know, probably about eight hours in, I'll temp it again just to see where I'm at, you know, looking for my target temperatures, and especially on pork, which is what about 198 is what I look for because I know I'm going to get some carryover heat too when I do. Oh. At what point are you spraying and kind of how often there? I generally spray about every and a half to two hours. You know, just a good spritz. It's all about five seconds and you just hit it with, and then, you know, it helps it too with, you know, actually setting that bark and everything too. Then after, after I get up to about 180, I stop spritzing just because by that point I'm just on cruise control. I'm getting ready to, you know, just do the finish work with the uh, with the pork itself. And sometimes I'll take like <clears throat> either a piece of foil or butcher paper or something like that when I'm just below uh, where I need to be, you know, as far as the temperature of the meat, like my finishing temperature. And then that'll actually help with the uh, internal temperature of the um, pork itself, where it'll kind of like, for lack of a better term, it'll, it'll sweat itself out. You know, and that that leads to some great breakdown as far as like the meat and everything too. What's your uh, favorite cut off that, the whole hog? What's your favorite piece to eat? Actually, spot in between the loin and the top of the shoulder where everything is just it's perfect. The 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 loin itself is only about you know inch and a half in diameter, right where it connects to the top of the shoulder blades and everything. To me, that's um, no that's a really good spot. And, there's, there's also like a little short loin on the top of the shoulder. And the way that I smoke the whole hog is I do it like running style. So it looks like a, like a, I call it a dog post. <laughs> and when I open up and expose the shoulder on that tenderloin right beside the shoulder blade right there too, and that thing is fantastic. And then even if you're doing a butt, you can still see that same, a lot of people call it the money muscle. And uh, it's got everything that pork is uh, supposed to give you. It's got great flavor, moisture, um, really takes a great smell, especially when you're able to expose it to uh, a good portion of smoke. You, you talked about using the foil or the butcher paper or whatever, just kind of there at, at the end or whatever, you get to your temperature. Where, where do you kind of stand on uh-huh. foil overall, you know, if you're just doing yeah. ribs or whatever? Well, like some, most of the time I use foil or butcher paper just to, um, just to keep the moisture, you know, with it. You know, it's just like a little trick. Some people call it like the Texas or, uh, it just makes good cooking sense, you know, so you're able to, it's kind of like, um, if you, like a, it, it helps the internal heat come out to the, to the outside too. So you're kind of sealing it off, you know, and not letting the, the moisture, you know, like an oven go out into the smoker. And, uh, it, yeah, it's like its own mini oven, I guess would be the best way to describe it. You know, it keeps it from drying out. Almost like it's. I guess it's like kind of like a vapor barrier would be the best way to describe it. Let's get into kind of the sauces a little bit. Obviously, being in the Carolinas, your experience with several different things up there. We're we're close to Memphis with the, with their more tomato based sauce. Just I, I guess give me a rundown of the main ones and kind of what the the differences are in them from a preparation and from a taste standpoint. Well, the the basis for for the sauces I use are always they're in the they're in those styles. Like the red sauce is basically. Um, like a sweet and sour sauce. So it's equal parts of sh- brown sugar and vinegar, cider vinegar. 
and you can add whatever spice pack you want to it. And, you know, the red sauce is obviously a ketchup base, and it's got some moisture and some other things in it, too. And then the mustard sauce down here, it really depends on what part of the Carolinas you're in. Like, like south, the southern part of South Carolina, it's basically, it's vinegar and mustard that you know, switch together and maybe throw some pepper and maybe a little bit of garlic in her. <laughs> I don't, I don't like it at all. I like a little sweet and sour to everything that I do. And then, but I do like a good vinegar sauce, you know, where you do like a really good, highly seasoned vinegar. I think but, y'all's red sauce is the, is the best. Yeah. That's the Memphis and May sauce. Yeah. Right? I, I love the red sauce. Oh yeah. Well, that's a, basically that's our red sauce base. We, uh, we docked it up and added some, peach preserves and some honey and some other stuff to it too so we actually just did a big batch that we're getting ready uh to take with us when we got to memphis as well so it's actually got a little bit of maple syrup in there too so it's uh nice got some nice heat as well but it really depends on the individual as far as like you know what they like and everything too that's one thing i like about barbecue is we're you know it's very subjective but heat the two you know, there's really not any bad barbecue as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> what do you do from a rub standpoint? Rubs are usually what I'm trying to do is just enhance the meat, you know, as far as using really good ingredients, like use ground paprika and fresh uh, dried herbs as far as that. You know, nothing that's been sitting around in a jar for like a year and a half or so. You know, the big thing for me is always going to be um, – you know the rub should be an enhancement to it. So when I'm when I'm building a rub for something, if it's chicken or if it's pork, or is I try to think of things that are going to help enhance that flavor. Like with pork, I always have like a little bit of dry fruit in it uh, for the, and I always like a little bit of ginger in there too because I think ginger and pork go extremely well together. And for chicken, I mean you can't go wrong with some herbs, you know, dressed up in there too because it's such a quick cook as well. And then, you know, a little bit of salt and pepper goes a long way as far as I'm concerned. You know, we use a really, I usually have a really good quality paprika on hand too. It really enhances um, the flavor of it, gives a real good background. Plus, to me, like if you've got a really good fresh paprika, it actually, uh, it'll really help with taking on smoke flavor too. For some reason, it really grabs it, you know, doing it right. It'll take on a great smoke flavor. And uh, I think that's probably why there's so many. Smoked paprikas are so popular out there right now. It's like it, it takes it takes flavor really well. What meats would you recommend brining before we get we start the process? Oh, eating poultry, uh, you can get away with doing a brine. I think it actually enhances it. Um, it it really depends on with pork. You know, I wouldn't do that for, you know, like if you're doing shoulders or anything like that. But if you're doing some like specialty cuts, like if you're doing pork loin, um, if you have like a boneless pork loin or even like, you know, tomahawk pork chops or something like that, you know, it's it, but amazing to pork that, you know, it really, really enhances the flavor of it and, um, you know, does a great job with it, you know, and, and the brines that I use are usually pretty simple. They're, you know, equal parts sugar and salt. And then, you know, depending on how much brine I'm actually making, like I'll use a cup of kosher salt and a cup of sugar for, you know, a gallon of uh, water. 
And sometimes you, you can just throw in like a bay leaf or something like that. If you keep it really simple and maybe some chili flakes or something, it, but it really enhances uh, the flavor of the fat. I think that's probably the big thing that I love about pork being a brine is that it makes it taste that much better. You know, especially like if you can get a good crust on it or something like that, it, it makes it, uh, although it's, you know, in some, in some, some people will tell you that's not good for you. Uh, I don't care. I just dive right in. <laughs> I, I, I'm kind of curious about the Memphis and May thing. I want to get into that in a second. But beforehand, I, I had a question from guys, because you know, a lot of people of our listeners are college kids or people that are in apartments and whatnot that don't necessarily have the egg or the smoker or different ways to do barbecue. Is there any way to approximate that using an oven or a stove or anything? Or are they just completely out of luck? Or is there kind of a you know an easy rigged process to get something resembling barbecue out of that? Um, I... <sighs> That's an excellent question. Never thought about it in terms of that. But, yeah, you can actually do that. I think if you – there's a neat way of doing things that you can actually – if you can get your hands on, like, some like some pulpy powder or some smoked paprika, you can do a lot of great things with that, you know, just to give yourself some smoke flavor. And Didn't we, we used I to think, do the, uh, with the, the wood chips under the hotel pan? with the yeah the but rake, you just have to rake. get yeah you have to have a good vent in, in your house and the kitchen yeah, you're gonna smoke it out. <laughs> well hold but, on. yeah hold on a second take me through that how does that work well you you just take like a you can you can turn anything into a smoker it's just a matter of you know can you breathe if you're doing it oh, yeah. so you know it's like you can put a pan within a pan like a perforated pan within a uh another pan and just put it on heat and it'll start to smolder and you could tent it with a um you could do it with a like aluminum foil pans Mm. if you really wanted to it doesn't take much to get the smolder and um and actually that might be a way for you to do it in the oven would be to put some chips in the bottom of an aluminum pan i mean all that can be bought and thrown away when you're done yeah so so it would kind of resemble like jiffy pop popcorn you know at the end of it you know or you can do some like do some smoked paprika or some like some chipotle powder, which you can get these days in like a lot of the Spanish markets. You can find that kind of stuff there, and um, just do a rub like you would for uh, anything else. You know, just make a nice mixture, a little bit of salt in there, and everything too. Rub your rub your meat down with it, and then this is going to sound kind of crazy, but it's almost like a like a dry sous vide of sorts. You can yeah. pre wrap that meat in plastic wrap and then do like a really tight foil wrap around that turn your oven to like 175 degrees how long leave it in there depending on what it is i mean you're gonna have to use a temperature probe for it and everything too but you can get away with some pretty neat stuff you know as far as that goes it's kind of like you'd probably have to be in there for like six hours or so it'd be extremely low and slow but i've seen some pretty fun stuff with people doing get real creative that kind of stuff and as long as you as long as you can go and find yourself a good meat thermometer, and I would recommend that to anybody that's going to try smoking barbecues, just you know, bite the bullet, go out and get yourself a really good uh, temperature probe, and that's going to be your best friend because that's going to teach you, you know, everything, and you know, you're going to get to the magic numbers as far as like 190 and above when it comes to barbecue or any type of meat. So that could be one way. And then even like you know, I think the big thing with any type of stuff. When it comes to smoking, like uh, on the cheap, is as long as you have good ventilation, so you don't get mad at you as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, Lord knows what could happen in a situation like that. 
I'm, you, when you're here from Memphis in May, I'm just curious. Do you is there anywhere you go to eat it? You know, maybe either either at the festival or around town or whatever. Or are you trying to avoid it and eat something else while you're in town? <laughs> uh, actually, I love the ribs at um, God. What uh, the Blues? Uh, Blue City. Blue City has great ribs. Yeah, and um, I think. I gotta be honest with you. I'm a giant fan of uh, Jack Pirtle's chicken and um, and Gus's. Um, what's him call it? Gus fried chicken up on the hill too. But generally, what we do is we get down. We bring a lot of stuff with us. So when we're down on the river from FSMA, we usually, uh, you know, we're cooking down there. Like we'll do wings and then, you know, generally we like to we like to have a lot of fun so there's I'm some sure there's some libations right. involved as well and we're usually <laughs> just cooking for each other down there on the on the river what, what is the, some people over and have a good time what is the process for preparing for something like memphis in may i mean how much stuff are you bringing when do you kind of start that thing kind of take me through from when you first start your preparation in, in the carolinas to getting to memphis to unload all this stuff well we're fortunate that you know we've gone for a few years so our first year was kind of uh, our first year out there was when the Mississippi flooded and we were at Tiger Lane. And we we were there, had never been before, didn't know what was going on. So we pretty much loaded up everything that we were going to need for the competition and uh, put our smoker together and uh, drug that thing out there and had it parked on, you know, Tiger Lane. And we were just basically going and, you know, grabbing to-go food at other places and everything, too. So we figured out, you know whole situation but the following year and, and even like this year we we actually have a rig that has a running water with a sink and tanks and everything as well as Kegerator. lights and we got we got a pretty good setup and we, we're getting a brand we have a brand new smoker a brand new rig this year too so uh, we're pretty much inclusive as far as like a rolling kitchen these days so for us it's a matter of organization and uh, for instance, this morning I just ordered the, uh, the the hog that we'll be using out there this year, and um, I got that. It's Compart Farms. It's a Duroc hog, and um, it's a it's a great quality thing. And if you ever, if anybody's ever out and sees Compart Farms, like any of their pork products are tremendous. Is that out of Tennessee? They do between marbling and fat content and everything too. They're they're, they're amazing. What was that John? Is that in Tennessee, or is that from you guys? Uh, actually, well, they've got farms all over the Upper Midwest, okay. but there's a there's a couple of great butcher shops around Memphis too that that we've used as well for for pigs. But um, we got fifth place at Memphis in whole hog last year, and uh, we're not going to mess with the formula. We're going to do the exact same thing we did last week. You know, that we'll be doing this year. So, How many different categories so do you? We're, looking, uh, we're really looking forward to that. Sorry, how, how many categories do you enter up there? I mean, what all what all are you doing? Well, you're only at, well, Memphis, we'll be doing some specialty categories the day before on Friday night, but then for the actual contest, you're only allowed to do one category okay. uh, at a time. What's the specialty category so thing? Whatever you for that year is the one you get to do once, so if it's whole hog or if it's ribs or if it's shoulders. So the event is so big, they can only get to so many people. What's the Friday night thing like? It's basically, you know, you were doing anything but categories. It could be anything to exotic. 
which would be that you can serve anything from alligator meat to ostrich to emu to, you know, buffalo. It doesn't really matter. And then there's like some subcategories for like beef, chicken. Um, there's the wing category. There's also sauce category. And there's the three different sauces. So you have mustard and red sauce. Um, God, there's about 20 different uh, categories that you can enter. There's a How many teams are involved this year? And then Saturday starts the competition. What's that? How many teams are involved this year? Uh, Total, I think it's around 270, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. There'll be about 50 teams and about 75 to 80 shoulder teams, and I think ribs are usually like around 155, 160 in that area. What's the strangest thing you've seen from some of those special categories? Is it, as you said, alligator or ostrich or something, or what? what what's the what's the strangest one? Um, I, I have to say it was ostrich. It was uh, now normally, excuse me, normally you don't get a chance to see everybody's stuff. We happen to be close to um, another team, and they put up the exotic category, and we we got to look at it. I mean, I would have known it was ostrich, but that's they told us what it was. Did you get to try it? So, I guess we'll have to take them. I didn't. I didn't get a chance to try it, but it looked good. But uh, yeah, there's like there's some international team do some fun stuff too. Like I think the Danish team won with reindeer either last year or the year before. Wow, did something with that. So yeah, they got some cool stuff out there. Wow, that's I, I never thought about reindeer, but I'm curious what ostrich tastes like. Ostrich is similar to, I guess in flavor, it's real similar to like duck, you know, but the texture is different because it's got so much connective tissue in it. You really got to pound that stuff out, you know, really tenderize it. So it's a real dark red meat and um, it's got a, uh, I, I, I don't know how else to say this. You know, it's got a real red blood tasting uh, texture to it. You know, so it's if you close your eyes, you probably think you're eating beef with it, like a you know some center like that. But uh, but it's got good flavor. I mean, it's but it's real lean. And um, but if you like game, you'll love ostrich. You know, if you've ever had duck or or uh, even like wild rabbit or something like that, it really lends itself well. Kind of recap here. We talked about the meat thermometer. We talked about good ventilation and and that type of thing. But for just the the average Joe out there, what what are a couple of guidelines that they really need? You know, and rules that they really need to kind of follow when they're getting into this and uh, getting into the barbecue. You know what I think for what I would recommend for anybody is trust your tastes. You know what what tastes good to me might not be what you like. So I mean, you got to just go with what you like. You know, and then the second one would be take some time, think about it. You know, don't get gummed up with price or anything, but get yourself a really good meat thermometer. You know, and then just get out there and and uh, try it out. Get yeah, get get the best stuff, get the best quality that you can get your hands on. You know, and just just experiment with it. You know, it's like I said before, a little bit of salt and pepper goes a long way, and uh, it really should be. You know, just taking your time, be patient, and don't worry what about you know everybody else is doing. You know, work on and see what 
you hug yourself. You know, there's a lot of, especially like being in the barbecue business, like where I do this for a living. You know, I tell people all the time to listen. That's what you like. That's what you like. It's you know, it's all subjective as far as like if if it's beer, if it's wine, if it's food. You know, if it tastes good to you, it tastes good. You know, don't worry about what I'm talking about. Get that. You know, get out there and if you want to put you know vinegar on it, put vinegar on it. You know, it's it's really your own palate. You know, do you like it peppery? Do you like it sweet? You know, what I do is make a bit of difference to you, but you know, I help you as much as I can and let you know. But the big thing is always going to be. How much smoking on it, and if that stuff really just tastes good, you know, it's all about. At the end of the day, it's about sitting down and enjoying what you're doing. Yeah, so, you gotta do what you like, and that's what it's really all about. Kind of the last thing here is it, you know, you talk about people do a lot of ribs, a lot of Boston butts, what stuff. Is there one that's necessarily maybe easier to get right and to get temperature than other ones? I mean, is there one that's maybe a little more complicated? What what's the easier version to kind of start with? going easier like you know the smaller the better you know if you try to get on a whole hog your first time out uh, i don't know how that's going how that's going to go for you but you know if you start small and you know work your way up i think that's probably the best way to do it you know it's just kind of like because i mean if you think about it if you took like a center cut loin portion which is basically like a chop without the bone i mean you can get that thing smoked in a few hours you know and you're going to have so much more meat on it than you would with ribs. But if you love ribs, I mean, why not? Get yourself some baby back and have it. So, like I said, you know, it's really about what you're looking for. If you just take a minute and say, you know, would I rather have these country-style ribs, which are taken from the butt anyway, and I can take my sweet time with them and get them done in two hours as opposed to cooking a butt for eight hours. You know, it's really about... You know, time management and keeping yourself organized and, you know, really cooking what you like. Yeah. Kevin, we uh, we love the time today. We appreciate it. And Go ahead, Jonathan. Yeah. Thanks for getting on there. Sorry about the technical issues. Oh, no problem. No problem at all. Yeah. But he's uh, Kevin Kirk. Well, obviously, good luck in, uh, in Memphis, and we'll talk to you soon. Sounds like a plan. Thanks so much, guys. I appreciate Thanks. it. I'll see you soon.